Well, hi. And it's so great to be here with you tonight. Um, you guys are the highlight of my week. And I'm, it's so good to be together again. Be with the girls. Um, Pam Haas and I were walking in together tonight and um, just talking about what a crazy day it's been. And I said, but it's always so good to be with the girls on Tuesday. So, all right. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you, God, for this lesson. Thank you for your faithful servant, Isaiah, through whom you brought the good news of Jesus, our Messiah. Be with us today as we take a deep look into this prophecy and what it means for us. Lord, I pray that you would reveal yourself in a new and fresh way. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, to begin with, let's just do a quick recap of Isaiah chapters 9 through 7. Uh, I say that sort of tongue-in-cheek because really, yeah, that's hard. Um, anyway, okay, so Isaiah 7 opens with Ahaz, king of Judah, facing the threat of war with Rezin, the king of Damascus, and Pekah, the king of Israel. I had to look up how to pronounce those, um, and so I think that's right. Um, God sent the prophet Isaiah to meet Ahaz at the aqueduct. And why that location, you ask? Well, most likely it is because that Ahaz was inspecting it so that in the event that they were invaded by the Assyrians, he wanted to make sure that the people of Judah would have a good, you know, adequate access to water. And so God instructs Isaiah to bring his son, Je I knew I was going to mess that up. I had to look that up too. Share Yashub, share Yashub, share Yashub. God will leave a remnant, which is what that means, with him. Um, so he wanted Ahaz, I mean Isaiah, to bring his son, Sher Yashub, to meet with Ahaz. So they get to the aqueduct, and Isaiah does as God instructed him. He tells Ahaz, do not worry. Whatever the kings of Israel and Damascus are planning, it will not come to pass. You, but you must stand firm. You must trust God. He was, will, he was telling Ahaz to abide in God and to trust in God for the good of all Judah. And he said, if you do not stand firm in your faith, you will not stand at all. Sensing Ahaz's reluctance, God even invites Ahaz to ask for a sign. He gives Ahaz multiple opportunities to receive God's affirmation that he is with him right? He tells him, do not worry. He tells him, do not be afraid. He tells them, these kings will not stand, but you must stand. And then he says, ask me anything from the depths of Sheol to the highest heavens. Ask me anything and I will do it for you if it will strengthen your faith. So <clears throat> what does Ahaz do? He refuses he says, I will not ask. I will not test the Lord. Really? The Lord's inviting you to do this. But you see, Ahaz had already made up his mind. He made up his mind to do it his way. He was caught up in playing the manipulation strategy power game with the other earthly kings, thinking his plan was better 
and would offer more immediate results. He wanted to be in control. His pride was governing his decision. So he relied on his own plans rather than trusting in God. Does that sound familiar? Mm. There are countless times in my life when I let my feelings or my pride or even others who didn't really have my best interest at heart influence my decisions. And it would work for a while until it didn't. And then what happens? When your world crumbles and you look at where you are and you think, how could I have been so naive? Why did I not listen to the people who really cared about me? More importantly, why did I ignore God's still, small voice? I unknowingly sacrificed so much because I wanted what I wanted when I wanted it. Hmm, I wasn't willing to wait. Well, what about you? You know, there's a lot of collective years of life experience in this room tonight. I'm curious, as you look back on your journeys of faith, have there been times when you were too impatient to wait on God? Maybe it had to do with a job decision or a move or a relationship. And perhaps you've wrestled with God over a tragic loss that you've experienced. And you think, how could God let this happen? Maybe it's a diagnosis. And you think, if God is good, why is he letting this happen to me or to someone I love? And you come to the conclusion that if he doesn't answer prayers, your prayers, or act like he cares, well, then you might as well do things your way. Y'all, these are major life-altering experiences that influence our faith and our relationship with God. I want to tell you a story, and I think I may have mentioned this once before, but about a year ago, my best friend was diagnosed with a rare form of bone cancer. I have watched her and her husband walk this heart-wrenching journey for the past 14 months. And while I know how difficult and painful and unpredictable this journey has been, their faith through all of it has been unlike anything I have ever witnessed. When she was first diagnosed in July of 2022, uh, it had already started to spread. So they started chemo right away. But the prescribed dosage for that specific type of cancer and um, the stage that she was in was so strong, it wrecked her body, and she almost didn't make it. Well, after several chemo treatments and multiple emergency room visits, she and her husband made the difficult decision to amputate her left leg below the knee. It's been less than a year. She and her husband are adjusting to a new normal. She's dealt with phantom pain. Y'all, that is a real thing. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. It's weird, but it is so real. So she can, um, it's subsiding now, but she can tell you, I am experiencing a sharp pain 
um, in my left middle toe. But there's no leg below here, and there's no foot, and there's no toe. It's her brain that's telling her that. It is, it's crazy. Okay, I must have hit this. Um, anyway, so now she is adjusting, and she's walking, and she has a new prosthetic. Actually, she has a couple um, for different types of activities. So she has one for swimming, because that's her new form of exercise. Um, and then she has one for just walking, when she's going to be walking um, outside and just doing regular, normal, daily stuff. She has goals of learning to surf and play pickleball, but not at the same time. No, it's surf, pickleball, yeah. Um, she's been through a lot, and she has wrestled with God, and yet he remains her constant companion, and he has provided her with great courage and deep faith through this all. And my faith is stronger for having been a part of her journey. Many of you have had um, life-altering challenges as well. And I would venture to say that when asked how you did it, your answer would be God. And while he didn't remove the pain, he didn't remove the suffering, you can look back and see that he was with you through that journey. A.W. Tozer um, quote, or he writes in his book, I think Camille mentioned this book last week. It is a phenomenal book, Knowledge of the Holy. If you don't have it, I highly recommend it. Um, he says, God is present and near him, him who is suffering, and next to him. And this God sees him and knows him through and through. And then he goes on to say, as a child may cry out in pain, even when sheltered in its mother's arms, so a Christian may sometimes know what it is to suffer, even in the conscious presence of God. The truth is, God never said we wouldn't see suffering in this life. We will experience grief and deep sorrow and disease and pain. Our bodies will suffer decay. This is what it means to be human. We feel, we suffer, we cry out and ask, Abba, Father, why? We keep fighting and we keep going. And then we grow weary and we surrender, we rest. We remember the hope we have in Jesus and we get up. We remember his promises and we choose to move forward. Jesus says, follow me. And so we keep our eyes on Jesus. He calls us. He redeems us. He alone is the, the fulfillment of Scripture. He's the one who reigns for eternity in peace. This is Emmanuel, of whom Isaiah spoke, God with us. So today, tonight, I want to focus on um, this prophecy of Emmanuel, God with us. Isaiah just sort of drops this in the middle of um, this story of Ahaz. Uh, this Emmanuel will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. So I want us to look at what each of these titles mean. So let's look at Isaiah 7.14. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive, have a son, 
and name him Emmanuel. And then after a long description of the coming devastation at the hands of the Assyrians in chapter 8, Isaiah continues the prophecy in chapter 9, 2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of darkness, a light has dawned. For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be upon his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So, let's pause here for a moment. This is a perfect example of the difficulty of interpreting and understanding prophecy. Sometimes, there is what is called single fulfillment meaning it is meant for a particular time in history. Um, double fulfillment, which is another type, means it, is a, it has a message for a more immediate purpose, but then also for a f- purpose in the future. Scholars disagree on the single versus double fulfillment of this prophecy. People have been studying this for ye- hundreds maybe thousands of years. And they all agree, though they might disagree on the single versus double fulfillment, they all agree that this ultimately points to Jesus. That's what prophecy is, a pointing toward the future. So why does God choose this time to tell Ahaz about the Messiah? I don't know. And I don't know why Ahaz rejected God. But can you imagine how Jerusalem's story would have been different if Ahaz had trusted God? All Judah's enemies would have been defeated sooner. They wouldn't have had to endure the devastation in their land or the brutal invasion of Assyria or the water of the Euphrates seeping into every nook and cranny of their country. What a testimony it would have been. And yet, God demonstrates his faithfulness in that even in the midst of Ahaz's rejection and their rebellion, God leaves a remnant. And not only that, but he promises a Messiah who will rule with justice and righteousness forever. This Messiah is not just for the Jews, but for all who believe. All those who have faith and trust in him will never be turned away. Amen. Well, we know this Messiah as Jesus. As Sissy said, unlike the people in Isaiah's time, we have the benefit of the gospel. We know how the story ends. We have the testimony of the disciples and historical accounts as evidence that Jesus is the promised Messiah. And perhaps the most beautiful and comprehensive description of Jesus is found in the book of John. Chapter 1, 1 through 5, and then verse 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The Word became flesh. And made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory. The glory of the one and only son. Who came from the father. Full of grace and truth. Jesus the Christ. 
is God with us, Emmanuel. He has been with us all along. He was in the beginning at creation. And Psalm 139.13 says, He formed my inmost being. He knit us together in our mother's womb. He created the earth and all that is in it. He brings life and light to a dark world. He is our Emmanuel, God with us. He is resplendent in beauty, the bliss of heaven. The physical manifestation of God's glory, the external elegance of the internal excellencies of God. Jesus is the public glory of the Father. The public glory of the Father. He came from the Father to dwell among us, to heal the brokenhearted and bring life to our souls. His holy presence has given us a glimpse of the glory we will experience in our future home. We know this. We've heard it all before. But do we really know it? Isaiah uses four titles to describe Emmanuel. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. These are not random titles. They are descriptions of the character of Jesus. So we're going to do a little exercise. A combination, if you will, of contemplation and a spiritual rhythm called Lectio. Some of you have done this before. So I will describe each of these titles and then pose a thought or question for you to take to the Lord right where you are. We're going to give you one minute to just sit and close your eyes and be with God in that question. And then I'll move to the next one. Wonderful Counselor. Probably not like the counselors we talk to today. Those counselors need us to tell them what is going on in our heads. But Jesus already knows. He knows you. He gets you. He sees you. He is the best friend you never knew you had. You don't need email or an iPhone to talk to him. You don't need a car to go meet him somewhere. You don't need to schedule an appointment. He's available anytime, day or night. And if you don't feel like talking... You can just pick up his book and read about him. It's very convenient. He will always give you the very best counsel, and he's never wrong. John 14, 26, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, our counselor, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So for the next minute, as you sit with God, ask him, Ask yourself, do I really believe you are who you say you are? And if not, show me what I struggle with and why.
The next one is mighty God, omnipotent, all-powerful, omnipresent, everywhere, always, omniscient, all-knowing, everything, doesn't matter the subject, space, earth, sea, in the earth, everything. No one can stop him or defeat him. He is the creator and ruler over all things. Psalm 50 verse 1 says, The mighty one, God, the Lord, speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to where it sets. Lord, I want to trust you with everything, but sometimes it's hard. Help me know how. Everlasting Father, he will never leave you or forsake you. Again, he gives you the best advice. He knows you longer than your earthly father because he created you. He knows when you need a pep talk. He doesn't spank, but he does discipline because he loves you. And he loves you more than anyone else in the universe. Revelation 1.8, I and the Alpha and Omega, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. As my everlasting Father, I need
Prince of Peace. As the Prince of Peace, he reigns in our hearts now. But someday, he will reign in the new heaven and the new earth, and it will be amazing because sin and death will be no more. He conquered those already, and we will be kind. We will share. We will help each other and take care of each other and love each other the way God intended, and we will be with him forever. Matthew 5, 5. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. Lord, you are my prince of peace. Help me in my unbelief. I am worried about. Isn't it good to know that the Lord is able to meet us where we are, address any need we have, help us through any struggle, and guide us along the way? The question isn't, is he able? The question is, are we aware of his presence? A.W. Tozer, in his book, The Pursuit of God, another awesome read, says, in the living, breathing cosmos, There is a mysterious something too wonderful, too awful for any mind to understand. The believing man does not claim to understand. He falls to his knees and whispers, God. The man of the earth kneels also, but not to worship. He kneels to examine, to search, to find the cause and how of things work. Just now, we happen to be living in a secular society, a secular age. Our thought habits are those, with, um, are those of the scientists, not the, of the worshiper. We are more likely to explain than to adore. It thundered, we claim, and go our earthly way. But still the voice sounds and searches. The order, of life, um, the order and life of the world depend upon that voice. But men are mostly too busy or too stubborn to give attention. I don't know about you, But I want to pay attention. I want to be more aware of his presence. So my question is, what would happen if we cultivated an awareness of his presence? What might that look like for you? For me, it might be talk less, pray more, worry less, trust more, criticize less, encourage more, judge less love more.
Emmanuel, God with us. He is our wonderful counselor. Remember, he knows you, he gets you, he sees you. He is the best friend you didn't know you had. He is our mighty God. He's omnipotent, all-powerful, omnipresent, everywhere, always, omniscient, all-knowing, doesn't matter what the subject, no one can stop him or defeat him. Woohoo! <laughs> all right, we're almost there. Everlasting Father, he will never leave you or forsake you. He's known you longer than your earthly father because he created you, and he does give the best pep talks. He is the Prince of Peace. He reigns in your heart as the Prince of Peace, but someday he will reign in the new heaven and the new earth. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called children of God. Sometimes the scope of what is before us is so overwhelming that to say, I'll rely on God for that, can seem, in our minds, rather irresponsible. But if we believe he is who he says he is, it shouldn't feel that crazy. That is faith in action. We all have faith in something. We make choices based on what we think will have the best outcome. It's what we choose to have faith in that makes the difference. Will it be what we feel is best, like Ahaz? Or will we choose to have faith in God's way? Faith in God isn't passive. It requires active obedience. It takes courage and inner fortitude that comes from a deep trust in who God is. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. There will be questions on the screen. And I want to, um, at the end, I want to encourage you to either take a picture or write them down and find some time to continue with those questions in quiet with your Emmanuel. He loves you so. He wants you to know him and follow him. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. Let's pray after you're done taking pictures. I'll let y'all finish. All right. Thank you, Lord, for these women. You know each one by name. You know the number of hairs on their head. You formed them and knit them together in their mother's womb. They are your beloved daughters. May they trust you as their wonderful counselor, their mighty God, their everlasting father, and their prince of peace. May they grow May their faith grow deep and strong, and may they seek the peace and comfort of your presence, God, with us. Lord, I ask this all in your holy name and by your spirit. Amen. Amen. All right. We, um, we, thank you.